Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Adequately Informed Podcast. This time for Tuesday, September 7th. My name's Joe Hicks. Whoa, and mine's Evan Kelly. And Evan Kelly, what are we doing here on this day after Labor Day? That's also the day of Labor Day for us. Yeah, well, what we're doing is honoring our forefathers and foremothers by having a conversation. We're going to discuss the news of the day, try to take in information and evaluate it in good faith, regardless of where it comes from, making sure to do our best to keep ourselves and our hopefully very relaxed audience adequately informed. Yeah, you know, we realize we don't know everything. We don't know every perspective, not every viewpoint. We believe that others can come to the information that we present and have different viewpoints that can be valid. You know, we're not on the ivory tower. We're not looking down on all the commoners where we're, we are commoners <laughs> ourselves. But hopefully we are adequately informed on the topics that we cover so that we can at least be fairly seen as able to have the conversation. So... Being fairly and having I don't know words, Evan. What? Yes, Joe. What, what? What's the first one? What's the first talkie time? So, talk number one is going to be about the television program Jeopardy and the trouble that they are having finding a new host. So, for context, Jeopardy has been an American game show that asks trivia questions it's been on the year on the air for decades and for almost the entirety of its run the host has been the iconic mr alex trebek well unfortunately alex trebek passed away and now they need someone else to host the show they've been running through a series of guest hosts trying to just kind of keep the show going while they're finding a permanent host so they've had you know, kind of beloved television icons like LeVar Burton host. They've had um, kind of left field picks like Aaron Rodgers mm-hmm. has been hosting a little bit. And they are still trying to figure out what to do. They thought that they had the issue solved when they hired a guy named Mike Richards. Very generic name. Not not the Seinfeld Mike Richards. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> nonetheless, a guy named Mike Richards... Um, to host he is also the executive producer i saw some funny jokes that were equating it to seinfeld mike richards and yeah (laughs) it was funny yeah um and you know he may he may be about as bad a choice as that mike richards as well (laughs) so um yeah so he he's the executive producer of the show Fans were a little upset just because they'd never really heard of him you know he's not like a beloved guy like lavar burton or ken jennings And then they got even more upset once the group of people who digs things up on social media dug things up. And they found out that on his podcast, like in 2014, he had made a whole bevy of problematic comments denigrating women and other types of marginalized people. And so he had to step down from his role as Jeopardy host, even though he will remain the executive producer of Jeopardy. So that's a little curious. Mm -hmm. Um, The other person who they had picked to be a longtime host for spinoffs and primetime specials 
is Big Bang Theory actress Mayim Bialik. And Bialik has not had to step down or anything yet, but she is not a popular choice either among fans for anti-vax comments that she has made in the past. And I looked into them. It it seems like she's not actually an anti-vaxxer. She just didn't have her kids vaccinated for some other medical reason that got kind of blown out of proportion. But I also oppose Mayim Bialik as being a permanent Jeopardy host for a very specific reason. And l- let me tell you about it. So, Oh, I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> on Survivor's 24th season, Survivor <laughs> One World. <laughs> One time she was at McDonald's and cut me off in the drive-thru. Hey, that would, I, she would be on my shit list for that, too. Um, so on Survivor's 24th season, Survivor One World... Um, there was a contestant named Colton Cumbie. And Colton Cumbie is one of the most vile, reprehensible people to ever play the game of Survivor. He was this sheltered, little, rich, gay, southern white boy from Alabama. There's a lot and, going on there. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was also a Republican. That came up on the show. Not that that really contributes to what I'm going to talk about. Well, maybe it does. You, you decide for yourself, audience. Um, but anyway, Get to your phones now. <laughs> yeah, t- uh, vote for Sprint's player of the season. It's probably <laughs> Russell Hans. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so Colton Cumbie, like he was just a racist. He there there was a one black guy on his tribe. And he constantly bullied this guy. He would call him stuff like ghetto trash and mock him for, yeah. you know, like attempting to start a career in Hollywood, saying that he had no talent and on and on and on. Um, eventually, it got so bad that after their tribe won an immunity challenge, Colton convinced the entire tribe to give up tribal immunity specifically to go to tribal council to vote out the black guy. No tribe in the history of Survivor has ever given up a tribal immunity that they have won. Didn't happen before, didn't happen since. But Colton Cumbie's racism was that virulent that Bill Posley went home early on Survivor because of it. Um, And I'm happy to say that Bill Posley now actually does have a Hollywood career as a comedy writer. He writes for for sitcoms and stuff. So he he's okay, thankfully. But nonetheless, Colton Cumbie just appeared through the entire season like a racist jackass, and pretty much the entire Survivor community considers him one of the worst to ever play the game. Well, um, at the reunion special for Survivor One World, for no reason, they had Mayim Bialik be at the reunion, and they let her speak. And she used this odd, rare, and incredibly valuable screen time to say that she thought Colton was misunderstood and that she would love to see him play again. And so they brought <laughs> Colton back, <laughs> where he subsequently quit after he decided that he didn't like the the, the twist of season 27 blood versus water and he didn't like the people who were on his tribe so he he just literally quit the game and ran off screen never to be heard from again um so all of this is to say it was so obvious how much of a racist piece of shit colton cumby was <laughs> and for her to go on national tv 
for no reason and defend him and advocate for him instead of the man who he bullied off of the show, I think is pretty disgusting to me and disqualifies from her from having me interested in seeing her host Jeopardy full time. Hmm. Anyway. Interesting. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, she, you know, she can do whatever she wants. I'm just not interested in watching it. Evan, um, can she look at the facts differently and come to uh, different valid conclusions? Um, in many cases, yes, but I, I don't think that the point of adequately informed is let's debate if racism is problematic. Hey, hey, <laughs> you don't know that. I don't know. I'm not. I, uh, I think I know like 50 percent of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm debating um, the other 50. I don't know. I'm. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, what what is that line from the newsroom? Like most sides, uh, most most things are biased towards neutrality, right? Like uh-huh. not all issues have two sides. Right. Some issues have five sides. Some have one. I think like calling someone ghetto trash and yeah. throwing a little bitch fit until they're voted off the island. I think there's one side to that. Yeah. I'm very confident in saying that. You know, um, it's, it, it, it's like um, it's, you know how for years it was just seemingly okay to call black people like thugs or yeah or you know people who you know are different parts of the community thugs or ghetto or i mean fuck even there was one time on bill o'reilly where he told one of his guests who was black that he kind of looks like a crack dealer which is just yeah just and the guy was like educated in a suit i mean even if he was a crack dealer i mean you know what (laughs) but but then like white people either get called racist or like uh white people and just like flip out whereas it's like the same thing (laughs) and it's i don't know it's just funny just just interesting so Relating back to Jeopardy. Oh, yeah, um, we're talking just, about Jeopardy. <laughs> yeah, so they still haven't found a host. Mike Richards was a bad choice. I don't think Mayim Bialik is the answer. Um, Ken Jennings had the highest ratings of the other hosts, uh, for the guest hosts, but he also has said stupid shit online. And, and I guess here, here's kind of the point I want to make about it. This is kind of related to points about cancel culture and you know who gets to continue to have a platform if you've said something bad in the past for me especially with guys like richards or jennings i think it's less about like believing them to have still hold these problematic views and it's more about just understanding that those statements reveal something about their character at a time when it was acceptable and easy to joke about women or to denigrate minorities. They didn't really have the, the, the integrity of character to rise above it. And so I don't think that means that they have to withdraw from society, but I think that if you as an informed viewer say, you know what, I I think we can do a little bit better for our Jeopardy host. I, I think that's valid. Um, so here's the part where I pitch my own Jeopardy host. Um, well, and also and, like yeah. <laughs> in that whole, you know, redemption from cancellation or whatever. 
to me, the, the marker is always kind of like, have they shown since then that that really wasn't their, uh, you know, ideas or, or yeah, who they are yeah. anymore? Um, which, I mean, this is more your wheelhouse. I read a couple articles and even then I was still kind of, eh, I don't know what's going on. But um, it doesn't seem like the guy had made it seem like he had really moved past that. No, no, because, again, I, I don't even think that any of the problematic stuff he said represented any deeply held beliefs. But what that means is that he's he's just kind of like a, a gun for hire. He'll say what he thinks other people will respond well to, mm-hmm. which I think shows a real lack of character. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, Mike Richards, Ken, Dren- Ken Jennings, they haven't really seemed contrite beyond the necessary amount for public relations purposes. And so and we don't have to buy that. Yeah. Well, and like the the one article I did read, um, it was like I I thought it was interesting how like how kind of insular the Jeopardy crowd is like or how it's a pretty intense club where mm-hmm. like all those guest hosts you mentioned earlier were big Jeopardy fans. And yeah. and while I do not watch Jeopardy like at all in my life, it's something that I would still like to keep going. Like I like to know that Jeopardy is still happening. And yeah. <laughs> you know, it's something that's so part of like in the background of American culture that like if it went away it would be like what's going like like same thing with price is right like i don't yeah. want i don't actively watch the price is right but i want to know it's still happening you know um you know i want to make you like sh- flipping past it every now and again yeah yeah we're seeing a clip or you know it comes on the news today oh check out this guy who is on you know this and they won so much money and i'm like ah oh, good on them you know that's really good um but but then one of the contentions was that Mike Richards wasn't really a a fan of Jeopardy. He just wanted to be a host. Well, besides being the producer, yeah, Jeopardy, right? But yeah. <laughs> but it's like, but it's like he wasn't like a long time devoted fan. It's just like he kind of fell his way upward through the you know industry and was just trying to get to be a host of some show and he happened to land at the spot where um it was time for a new jeopardy host and he just happened to be there and you know who knows Mm -hmm. yeah and yeah again i i just want to kind of emphasize i i think i think there's more to what you're saying than, than i was originally gonna give credence to but you're right like there's there, there's like a way to demonstrate that you've learned and that you care about what you've learned and that i feel like he hasn't demonstrated so so to go to tie into what you were saying about him not being like super ingrained in the community and not a real real jeopardy lover it, it just doesn't seem like he has any of the qualities that are going to satisfy people mm-hmm. yeah so so who who has those qualities that would satisfy you evan 
So I don't necessarily know who's a big Jeopardy fan, but I, I want Adam Driver to be the new Jeopardy yeah. host. He's not going to do it. He would never do it. I think he but... has other things on his docket. Like, yeah, that's a commitment. He's very busy. Yeah, like a full-time commitment for seemingly the rest of his life. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, so um, I'm sure they could dig up Regis Philbin and and get him. Boo. Yeah. Hey. Nothing against, nothing against Regis. He's just, no, that's not what I'm like. We don't need someone older. No, that, that's, what that that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying Regis. Or, or, or I don't know. I don't know other people who I think would be good on it. A lot of people were excited for a LeVar Burton, but apparently his was like the lowest rating night. Um, so. Yeah, I, I think LeVar Burton could be good. Um, it's just tough. Um, I do think they should give Will Ferrell paying, playing Alex Trebek a fighting shot. All right, I'm, I'll, I'll I'll hear it out. Yeah. I will examine it from all sides, and and you know, you know, hear it out in good faith. Just at least get one episode. Like since we're in the <laughs> we're in the time where things are kind of weird, wouldn't that just be kind of funny? You know, Will yeah. Ferrell doing Alex Trebek doing actually doing Jeopardy, and yeah. and like somehow fitting in little jokes. Which for those people who are not familiar, you should. Look up like SNL parodies of Jeopardy where Will Smith play or not Will Smith. Will Ferrell plays uh, Alex Trebek. Was I play it saying Will Smith the whole time? You said Will Ferrell. OK, cool. All right. Yeah. I just wanted to make we, sure. We, we'd really be crossing the Rubicon there, but we could do it. Yeah. Um, I want to I want to throw another name into consideration um for sort of nerd points and also actually has the time so i was thinking to myself who's always hosting things these days and i immediately thought joel McHale because he'll host anything that isn't nailed down <laughs> um but i don't actually want joel McHale. i want his community castmate danny pooty abed i want abed to host jeopardy mm-hmm. i like mm. that this is a better pitch than adam driver we're workshopping yeah. it right now yeah let's workshop it um i think Arnold from Hey Arnold should host it. I think like you would... as an animated character yeah, or like yeah, yeah. you know, we have yeah. the technology now. I mean, I think you would take it very seriously and be a good, you know, he was curious enough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wonder Remember what the world. He he got Stoop Kid to leave a stoop. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. He did he did a lot of things in vaguely urban town that he lived in. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's crazy? Uh, now, this is a tangent, you know. This whole where, segment's been tangent. Yeah, it's all tangent. <laughs> where, you know, we all beloved show, Hey Arnold. Arnold lived with his grandparents in a boarding house that they the grandparents ran. And boarding houses are basically illegal in almost all the entire United States these days. Okay. It's basically like this is part of what creates the housing shortages out there is that like all the communities basically banned single room uh, dwelling with shared amenities because it was like, well, I mean, even some organizations were like, well, down and out people live there. And, and it was like, maybe if we got where the down and out people live, they would just leave our town instead of just being homeless. But 
But um, yeah, they yeah. just end up homeless. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's essentially what happened. So um, if you, you know, that's uh, interesting because you, you always read like old timey books, and it's like, oh yeah, I rented a room. You know, and yeah. that seemed to work oh, yeah. well, but now, but now we don't do that anymore. Yeah, well, seems I mean, seems even, like a bad thing. Yeah, even like <laughs> old presidents had significant periods of time where they lived in like boarding houses. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, it's something I think we should bring back. Um, go to your local city council and petition to have boarding houses um, because it's a good way to live. You know, it's a way to get a cheap room, and if you're just I mean, if you remember, hey, Arnold, all the tenants at the boarding house were just some dudes who didn't have a whole lot going, you know, and, you know, didn't like have a big family there and they were just there kind of working and then like spending their downtime in their room like they, you know, and some people don't need more than that. But we got all these laws that say you need to have, I don't know, a kitchen and however many square feet and 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 deluxe you know, cable. I th- I'm sure that's a rule somewhere <laughs> and we don't need Some all that place. Yeah. You know? So, so anyway, um, get a new jeopardy host so we can watch jeopardy at the boarding house together. Yeah. Yeah. So all of this is to say, yeah, to, to kind of tie this up. Um, we don't need to like cancel Mike Richards. It's okay for people to have said things as long as they make it right, even though he really didn't. But nonetheless, I think he's a bad Jeopardy host. I think Mayim Bialik is a bad Jeopardy host. And uh, let's let's go with Danny Pudi. Danny Pudi. Or Hey Arnold. Okay, sure. <laughs> Did you um, see, you know, now we're speaking of uh, animation mixed with real life. Did you see that there was, I forget if it was an NBA or an NFL game where like it was broadcast on Nickelodeon. Yeah. NFL. Yeah. And they did like real time animations of Nickelodeon characters doing shit in the world. That yeah. was just weird. That is I such didn't, a... I didn't, like, watch it, but I heard about it, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've and, like, seen clips of it. like, they would slime the players sometimes, like, yeah. just digitally, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's just weird, but I we this just shows we have the technology. We can put Hey Arnold in... On Jeopardy. <laughs> on Jeopardy. We, we can make this happen. <laughs> well, then, at that rate, Lisa Simpson should host Jeopardy. Ooh. Hmm. Hmm. No, I think Steve from American Dad should host Jeopardy. What if um, Steve is like the Johnny Gilbert and Lisa's the main host? Okay, I think we can do that. All right, good. Yeah, de- good. De- All right. This is how our production meetings go. We're just like, yeah. oh yes, thing, <laughs> and then you're like thing, and then we're like thing, and then. All right, we're we're amenable to this. Yeah. Yeah. So so by the way, what's the second thing we're talking about today? Oh fuck, what's the second thing? Ah shit, I forgot to put it together. Ah, my dog ate my homework. No. Um so I don't know what that whole little spiel was. Well, you you're just you're doing a bit. It's all right. I guarantee yeah. someone laughed at that at home. I I hope so. I, I write to us if you <laughs> dial now. Um, so a little bit more serious topic I tend to bring, um, 
So uh, we're recording this on Monday, September 6th, and the episode's coming out Tuesday, September 7th, 2021. And these dates are notable because today the extended federal unemployment insurance bonus that came about as part of the coronavirus uh, extra benefits um, that came out last year, it will be ending here. Um, so tomorrow, uh, approximately six to seven million people who are currently eligible for that federal uh, increased unemployment insurance uh, will just be off of it. They will not be getting that money anymore. Um, this was the extra $300 on top of the state grants to um, unemployment insurance. It will be ending. Um, why is it ending? Um, so, uh, you know, years ago or last year, you know, they were <laughs> the olden days of the olden days before we knew things in 2020. They had, ex you know, created this extra unemployment insurance. It was actually a very progressive thing that kind of happened haphazardly uh, or not haphazardly, but wasn't it 600 bucks initially? I don't recall. Yeah, I can't remember either. And I probably should have had that number when I first came to us. But um, I believe initially it was like 600 bucks a week. And then it came down to 300 bucks and they extended it out to Labor Day 2021 because that was kind of a like, eh, we'll figure it out. You know, I think I think coronavirus will kind of be done by then. And here we are, and the coronavirus isn't done yet. And um, we're about to take a whole bunch of people off of this enhanced unemployment insurance. So I guess, you know, let's do a little bit of breakdown why this is bad. Evan, I'm putting you on the spot. What's, what's the basic idea of unemployment insurance? So... Unemployment insurance is to help you when you lose your job so that you can still pay your bills and, you know, keep yourself and or your family afloat. And also, typically, when you're getting this money, you're pumping it back into the economy. So you're helping the, the macroeconomics as well. Yeah. So so you, you got a little head there, but that's good. I like that. <laughs> you're getting extra marks. Um, so... <laughs> There, there is a very big part of unemployment insurance that, for whatever reason, people get hung up on and they don't seem to understand is that you only get unemployment and, you know, the payouts if you lose your job. Like if you get fired, you can't quit your job and get unemployment. Yes. You only get unemployment insurance if you lose your job and what's the basic idea behind it like the kind of fairness of it well we know that in a capitalist society some companies will thrive and others will just at some point go bankrupt it's part of it no company lives forever and that it's just kind of inevitable that occasionally people will lose their jobs because either 
I mean, like I said, the company goes away or something happens within the company that they need to get rid of their job. So people do get fired. And the idea is that, well, these people who got fired don't necessarily plan to get fired and may not have a any money to saved up to be able to deal with the time between getting fired and getting a new job. So the idea is to give them money um, and you can choose to do this however you want, like a percentage of your income or just a flat monthly rate, weekly, monthly, weekly, whatever rate. And, you know, this helps smooth over until you get to a new job. Now, a lot of people have been quite um, upset over this, you know, like I've definitely heard coworkers and other people out there and it's like, man, why are these people getting paid all this money to go sit on their butts when I'm here actually working? Well, the operative part of it is that they lost their job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like full stop, like they lost their job. And why, you know, uh, part of the reason why there is this big extended UI bonus is because you know, unemployment insurance is run by each individual state normally, and each individual state chooses how they do it. So states like Mississippi have pretty stingy unemployment insurance that is not a whole lot of money and doesn't last very long, where Massachusetts has pretty high unemployment insurance and, you know, lasts for a decent amount of time. And like, and you may be asking yourself, why, why would we pay people to not work. That's essentially what, you know, some people will, you know, bring this down, boil it down to why are we paying people not to work? Evan, why are because, we paying people not to work? Well, um, yeah. So the reason why they say that is because once you take a job elsewhere, the unemployment checks start to go away. So um, the reason why so far we've been paying people not to work is because we're in the middle of a pandemic and mm-hmm. anyone who doesn't have to be out interacting with people, potentially spreading the virus, anyone that we can perhaps incentivize to limit their social contact contact via work that may offer some social advantages. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Now, but, 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 the research has actually shown that generous unemployment insurance can actually, in non-pandemic times, be good um yeah so we like to think that um if you use unemployment insurance for a long time you're just kind of skating by and you know just living on the dole and then you'll just get a job someday um but what what happens when you lose a job well i asked the listeners to think of when they got their current jobs how long did it take to get your current job? How long did it take from setting out to find a job to getting an interview with your job that you currently have to actually starting working? And it can actually be a decent amount of time that it takes to get new jobs. Do you want me to answer that? <laughs> uh, we'll move on. Um, unless you want to, I mean, this is also your show, so. 
Um, yeah, so for my my piece, uh, moved to Indianapolis with uh, the wife because she got a job here. Took me 18 months. 18 yeah. months. So. Yep. So, yeah, it can take an amount of time. Um, so let's let's go into the hypothetical. Um, you know, someone gets laid off of their job. They get unemployment benefits. It's not a whole lot of money. It's not really enough to support, you know, whoever they are, whether they're supporting a family or an individual or what have you. And what happens is that, you know, if it's stingy and it's, um, you know, doesn't last super long, this incentivizes people to just get the first job they can get. Um, and if you were, if everybody had to go out and get just the first job that they would get, it's not always going to be the best job for them. Like, I mean, this is going to be way out of proportion of the example, I, you know, of what I'm going to use. But let's say, you know, you're an engineer and you get laid off from your engineering firm and you need to make money. So you take the first job you can and it's at McDonald's. Like, mm-hmm. that's going to be a mismatch of your talents versus what you're doing and your money-making potential. And a if, big inefficiency for the economy, too. Like, it's not just a matter of, you know, people who maybe have advanced degrees or more specialized skills. Oh, they don't want to just put in the work. No, if you can command an engineer's salary and produce an engineer's productivity for our society it's good for everyone that you do that you know a higher salary for you means higher gdp for the country and then yeah if you have the the skills to contribute at an engineer level i you mean should yeah be doing that yeah <laughs> and you generally want everybody in an economy to be at a job where they are producing at their maximum like yeah. Whatever that ends up meaning, it, it doesn't mean that like work you to the bone or what have you, but like a someone who is trained in engineering is going to be way more productive and useful to the economy doing an engineering job than flipping burgers. But some people, you know, may be way more uh, valuable to the economy and, you know, be able to produce by flipping burgers. I mean, it's yeah. just different people have different things. And but you want but, you know, if this was a previous era, you know, where uh, there were different jobs available, we could also do the example where, you know, someone's a fry cook at a restaurant and, you know, they're decent at it and, you know, they get let go from their company, you know, because the restaurant closes and they if they don't have you know strong enough unemployment insurance and they need to take the first job that they do they may get a job digging ditches which is not a productive use of that person otherwise because they're skilled in flipping burgers which is something that can contribute to society so like i i i you know people use mcdonald's for you know example a lot of times and i wanted like try and get away from that because it's like hey these people are doing things that people care about and it's not necessarily you know using it as always the low point you know i try to avoid that so but i did it here um so if you have more generous unemployment insurance 
and it goes on for a lengthier period of time, what you will have is that people are better able to match their skills to a job that suits them. It allows the engineer to find another engineering job. It allows the fry cook to find another fry cook job. It allows the whoever to do do a whatever job that they mm-hmm. feel more better suited for and not just the first job that they can get. And this is good for society. And it's been shown that if you, ex- you know, I, I should have probably come with harder numbers than I'm about to say, but <laughs> if you make unemployment insurance a little bit more generous and a little bit longer in duration, the, nor- the standard duration is like 12 weeks or something, which is three months. If you make it a little bit longer, you can um, you can actually end up reaping better benefits over time because the people get to better match jobs. They make more money and, you know, create more tax revenue over time, mm-hmm. which is just, you know, if you're do you want everybody to be at their maximum level at all times, because that's what makes prosperity for society. Um, but there are definitely people who get hung up because they feel, oh, these people are getting paid to not be at work and, um, oh, they're just hanging out or whatever. And it just really feels like it seems to be that there is an entrenched belief, you know, in our society that you should just take whatever the next job is, or there isn't an amount of charity extended to people in other circumstances. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just kind of concerning. But, you know, we are living in an era where there are a lot of people on unemployment still, and there are a lot of job openings. So people kind of be like, what's going on? But, um... I look forward to someday there being greater research on this period to get a better idea of like what is actually going on. But what we know right now is that the unemployment insurance is ending from the federal level tomorrow, which is going to affect millions of families and drastically reduce the amount of money millions of families are getting. And what, you know, and another thing, so, you know, talking about these job openings coming up, a lot of state governments throughout the country have in some way ended these extra unemployment benefits before this deadline. Mm -hmm. So something like 25 states have reduced or cut off the federal unemployment insurance money to their citizens. Indiana tried to, and then a federal court like overturned their decision and made them reinstate it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny how different states can do things, but if you do it in the wrong way, the court will be like, nah, uh, uh. But, um, Evan, why, why, uh, what do you think, uh, the effect of cutting unemployment insurance in these states had? Um, well, I know that. Some people were probably hopeful that it would boost employment, but because of what this setup was, I'm going to guess that it didn't happen. Yeah, you're right. Um, <laughs> so over the 25 states that 
um, cut the extra uh, unemployment insurance benefit from the federal government, they they did not see meaningful increase in employment. There was one study that came out that showed maybe 0.05% increase in employment, maybe, or (laughs) that essentially there was a little bump in those states when they first got rid of it, but that may have also been the summer bump just coming into the statistics. But coming to now, there really hasn't been any difference in the job market or the levels of unemployment between states that kept their unemployment insurance and states that didn't. Interesting. And the the 25 states that cut it off missed out on $2 billion coming into their economies, which, you know, just kind of as a basic thing, if they are missing out on $2 billion of unemployment insurance, that means $2 billion fewer dollars that goes into their economy, which yeah. means that their economy does not grow as strong or as fast as it otherwise could have, which means their economic recovery is slower, which means that there's less job, you know, just just down the line, you know, all this yeah. stuff with economics. So that's what I was saying earlier. <laughs> yeah. So um, this really this really uh, invalidates the woman who was behind me to pay for brunch. Um, I was at this little brunch place by my apartment. Great place. And there's this, uh, they have a sign out front said, you know, help wanted for a weekend cashier. And sure enough, the the cashier is also waiting tables. And this guy's great. He works really hard. He's always there when we go in. We love this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it was taking him a while because he had a bunch of tables to serve. And then he had to come do the cashier stuff. And there's this old white lady waiting behind me who is just kind of huffing to her friend. Oh, I can't wait. I can't. I, literally, this happened this morning, Joe. She goes, I can't believe that. Uh, or I can't wait till they stop giving people money so that this place will be staffed appropriately. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. But uh, I guess it's not that simple, lady at Skillets. No, it is not. It is not <laughs> that simple. Well, I just want, like, it's a bigger point that we i i come to from time to time again with policy is that we think in order to get change to happen we have to go through some sort of pain like you know in order to you know get an economy with higher levels of unemployment we have to create some pain for people or or to uh, better be able to I don't know, uh, because some people think the national debt's a big issue that we have to curtail and experience pain in our lives in order to appease the debt. And it turns out that oftentimes, at least it seems to be, things can be positive some games and you can make things better And then that also makes other things better. Yeah. So making sure that people have money when they get let go of their jobs makes it so that they can get better jobs, but also that so that they can keep spending money in their local economies, which helps other people keep their jobs. Mm -hmm. So it just seems, 
I mean, I don't think any of the national politicians are really talking anything about this unemployment insurance lapse. The only people who are really talking about it online are like the Matts, so Matt Iglesias and Matt Bruning. Um, and otherwise, from there, it's just kind of going whoops out the door. <laughs> and I think it will really... I. I, I have a feeling it will hurt Biden, um, probably his approval numbers, because people really don't like it when things change. I mean, there's a lot of people who don't like it when, you know, you know, you give benefits to people. But then also, like, again, there's like six to seven million people unemployed right now. Um, those are people, too, and they have feelings about things. Yeah, there's there's citizens as well. So, um who knows? It may come back and they may be like, oh, fuck. Oh, shit. Um, we'll, we'll, we'll get it back. Or they may <laughs> just let it lapse. We'll see. Um, because, yeah, it's been a grand experiment. Yeah, I got a couple of follow-ups I want to do here. Number one is that um, people taking longer between jobs, and this is something that, you know, you've, you've been talking kind of parallel to the whole time joe is that people people who kind of stay unemployed longer if they're able to that represents optimism right that there will be a better job on the horizon that something good is possible for me in my career and my future so being able to provide something to smooth that over a little bit pretty solid Mm -hmm. um the other thing too is that this is all coming about because of the pandemic and you know, I don't want to be Mr. Doomsday Alarm Bells, but it ain't over yet. You know, mm-hmm. there's still variants emerging. There's still vaccine hesitancy. There's cases surging again. We're opening schools. That's a whole nother topic that we could talk about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, how many of my kids are quarantined right now? It's a yeah. lot. Um, <laughs> because they've had close contact to someone with a positive case. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. That, it's the reality um and so you know are we going to regret this if we have to attempt another wave of shutdowns will we even be able to withstand another wave of shutdowns is there the political economy for that Uh um there's a lot of stuff here that's going on and it's not as simple as well you know i can't uh i can't get my egg mcmuffin because of the government yeah yeah well i mean i mean shit like uh i mean it's definitely hurting some places like uh, um my mom just told me this morning that Soli's here in town a local restaurant is closed for a little while because they can't get people to come work you know mm. or they're having to train some people um you know it's just it's interesting, but but I want to go back to that thing about like showing confidence in the economy, and and almost all indicators show people have confidence in the economy. Um, one one marker is length of time people take in between jobs. If you know if they feel like they're not going to get another job, they will take that first job that they get because they yeah. don't want to risk not having a job. But then also another one that's been very interesting is that people leaving their jobs has been at an all-time high recently, which is another sign that the economy is good. You know, the logic being is that 
you really only leave your job if you're confident that you can get another job that's mm-hmm. the same or better. Um, so with people leaving their jobs at pretty high numbers and moving to other jobs, that's showing that people have pretty high confidence in the economy right now. And again, that's completely unaffected by the unemployment insurance bump. Yeah. Because those, if you voluntarily leave your job, you don't get the payout. Right. So part of it, yeah, is is about people who are being paid to stay home. But another part of it is just that people have enough confidence in the economic future to withdraw from the workforce for a period of time. Uh-huh. Now, I have a bit of a preponderance I want to put out there. So we have seen that um, during this time, a lot of employer, a lot of employers have added a lot of pay and other types of benefits and really tried to get workers into their places. You know, you see McDonald's starting to offer higher wages and, and other places as well. I wonder if that effect was almost suppressed because, you know, business leader, you know, people in business look out in the horizon, see what's going on. And I wonder if they saw this um, ending of the extended unemployment as like a point in time where like things will get better because there have been a number of places where it seems like they are only willing to increase their benefits and pay so far in order to maintain some minimal level of operation. But some places will opt to like close for a couple days or something mm-hmm. like that because they don't have the, they can't bring on more people to do it. And I wonder if that people were holding out hope that once the unemployment insurance gave out that they would end up having more people so that they didn't have to raise wages that much because my general theory on why businesses don't raise wages is because wages are sticky, Mm -hmm. meaning that generally once a firm raises wages, it is almost impossible for them to lower them. Um, You know, this has been seen in history where, Um, There was a case of the Pullman um, manufacturing facility in Pullman, Illinois, on the outskirts of Illinois, where uh, or of Chicago, where um, a depression came. And instead of trying to, um, you know, lay off a whole bunch of people, which is what companies historically do during bad times, they just reduced everybody's pay. And uh, there were riots um mm-hmm. so um i think a lot of people took that <laughs> and noticed that so <laughs> so but once things go up it's hard for them to come back down so i think business people you know owners of businesses wanted to may have been kind of like eyeing and seeing if they could just hold out on these kind of lower wages until the ui insurance ended and then came out and, you know, was able to hire again. And mm-hmm. it may be the case that they still may not be able to hire. So maybe even more things will change. But who knows? Um, 
it may just be trying to ride out the pandemic and hopefully people will come out back after that. But it seems like a lot of people who are still unemployed are optimistic that they can find a better job than the ones that they had. Yeah. You know, they aren't just going towards the, you know, the job that they could always get. They're trying to find something better. So, I mean, that, and that's good, but you, you definitely get a sense from a lot of people who run businesses and own businesses is that, you know, you kind of want a, a, uh, you know, large pool of people who are willing at the drop of a hat to come and work for you. And, um, you know, when they don't have that, it's kind of difficult. Um, Mm -hmm. um, and that's why, that's why certain people may not be interested in full employment, which is kind of what we're, you know, a policy where trying to get everybody to work and, you know, there's very low unemployment because the idea is that it helps raise wages because people are having to compete for job or, you know, jobs are having to compete for people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that, you know, people who own businesses may not want to do that. So they may propose or, you know, lobby to have things go against that. Mm -hmm. Um, so we're living in interesting times. Oh my gosh. This is going to be a time where like so much like political or economics research is going to like be able to examine because like, so many programs coming on and off and then like different states on and off and at different times. And it's just like just random, random trials everywhere. It's yeah, great. Natural experiments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not to say that the coronavirus is great, but but uh, what we can learn. Yeah. So um i've about said all my pieces i believe it is bad that this unemployment insurance is going to be ending here i believe it should be extended indefinitely um which means forever uh (laughs) so but uh that may not be the case and it'll be interesting to see what happens here in the coming weeks or months or I mean, I guess just in general, not even specifically this topic. Evan, you got anything else you want to say about this? Yeah, no, I just think that uh, what's the biggest thing to me here is to take apart all of the partisan proselytizing and just kind of looking at the data. And I think that the fact that the states that have cut the extended benefits have not seen this boom in employment suggests that there is something really complex going on here and that, yeah, we might be in for some some negative experience here when yeah. the unemployment ends. A whole Extended lot of, benefits. Yeah. 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 I mean, a whole lot of people having a whole lot less money to throw around, which ends up being bad for most people. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how it goes. So, on that, Evan, do we have an end segment? Uh, no, we don't. No. Oh, shit. No end <laughs> segment. Well, I think that brings us to a wrap. I think it does. Um, yeah, we'd like to thank you all for listening. Uh, if you have any comments, concerns, thoughts of any kind, email us at podcast at adequately informed. Message us on our Facebook page. Uh, message us individually we like feedback we always do 
And also, if you have a friend who you think would appreciate getting a little bit of adequately informed into their life, recommend us. You know, we're we're looking to grow. We're trying to make sure that that um, our our audience is, is as big as it can possibly be. So hey. we're trying to make sure we can have adequately informed for our grandchildren. You know, yeah, <laughs> for for posterity. You know? <laughs> We need we, we need we need uh, we need more listeners. To, yeah, we need more to ears. Care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to be big narcissists. Um, <laughs> um, so yeah, share us if you can, uh, or keep listening at the bare minimum. We love that. That's great. Yeah, we yeah, love that. We love that. Um, but Anthony Hesh music thank. Um, but anyway, my name's Joe Hicks. And mine's Evan Kelly. And we hope that you've been adequately informed.